I am a normal person. And I refuse to believe that Christ has risen from the dead. I'm completely certain my own view of religion is more important than believing in Jesus, the Son of God. I have my priorities straight because my success, lots of money, and popularity is way more important than family, faith, and serving God. I tell you this, once upon a time, family stayed together, but this is no longer true. This is a generation unwilling to commit. Normal people say I'll be broke, divorced, and spiritually empty. I do not concede that I will be weird and different from the crowd. In the future, I will travel the broad, comfortable, and normal path. No longer can it be said that my life will count. It will be evident that I'm short-sighted, selfish, and only living for me. It's foolish to presume that I am different and can change the world. Well, if you thought that was a weird way to start an Easter message, could you just say, that's weird? I, I tried so hard. I really did. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's kind of tradition that pastors share poems on Easter. For 20 years, I've never written a poem. And so I spent a half a day, and I wrote that poem. And nobody seems to care. I, I am a poet, and you didn't even know it. And it sounded good during the week, and then everybody kind of goes, that's stupid. That's weird. Well, it's weirder than you think, because we're doing a series called Weird based on uh, my new book, Weird Because Normal Isn't Working. Let's just be honest today. In our world, when it comes to our schedules, normal is overwhelmed, stressed out, always panicked. When it comes to our finances, normal is paycheck to paycheck, broke, worried about money. When it comes to relationships, tragically, is just as normal for a marriage to end in divorce as it is for one to make it. And of those that make it, it's normal for them just to stay together for the sake of the kids, kind of muscling it out but not really having intimacy. When it comes to life today, it's normal to believe there's got to be something more and to search for it. And most people settle for the pursuit of material things, which leaves them empty, craving something more. It's normal to be spiritually empty and we agree that when you look at the way people are doing life, normal is not working. If you're new with us or missed the last few weeks, we were looking at the teachings of Jesus when he said there's two roads and everybody is on one road or the other. Let's look at the verse again in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is what Jesus said. He said, enter through the narrow gate. And then he talks about the first road. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads where? Everybody, all of our network churches, church online, all of our live churches, help me out. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And what did he say then? He said, and many enter through it. I want you to pause for a moment and realize just how scary that is. There's a broad road. It leads to destruction. And that's where the crowd is. He goes on to say in verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to where? The narrow road leads to life. And tragically, only, what did he say? Only a few find it. I want you to take a moment and let the truth of those verses sink in. 
There are a lot of people on the broad road, and the broad road doesn't end up in a good place. It ends up in destruction. Many people are on it. There's a narrow road that leads to life, and sadly, there's only a few people on that road. The people on the normal broad road, they think, hey, there's a lot of people here. It must be okay. We're all living this way. This is where the crowd is. This is where the normal people are. We must be okay. But every now and then somebody gets weird and they realize normal's not working. And they take the teachings of scripture seriously and they leave the broad path and they get onto the, nor the narrow path. And the normal people say, you're weird, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing that God stuff for? That's weird, come back over here. And the normal people don't understand. The way they're living, what they believe, leads to destruction. And tragically, and don't miss, just let this sober you up. Only a few are on the narrow road that leads to life. If you're on the narrow road, the normal people are gonna call you weird. And we're gonna find comfort in that because we know normal isn't working. Today, I want to look at the normal view of God, and I want to look at a weird view of God. Let's start with normal. If you're taking notes, we're going to talk about religion for a moment, about religion, and here is the normal view. Religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. Religion, think about it. Uh, virtually every world religion has its own set of external, man-made, religious rules of trying to please God. What does religion, any religion say? You pick one and, and pick your, your preference. It says, if we behave this way, if we believe this way, if we do these things and not these things, then we can perform our way to God. You know, pick your rules. Yours might be, uh, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't chew. And I don't run with girls who do. Therefore, I must be right with God. Or it could be, you know, I pray this way and kneel in this direction, or I go to church on this day, or I was baptized this way, or I don't see this type of movies, or I do these religious behaviors, and religion is externally focused. It's if I behave the right way, then I might please God. The problem is when Jesus came on the scene, he dealt with a very religious group of people known as the Pharisees, and he told this story about a cup. He compared their lives to a cup, and he said, the outside of your cup, in other words, your behavior, what you're showing everybody, it looks pretty good, it's clean. He said, but the inside, your heart, what matters to God, it is filthy, and you're missing the point. Religion focuses on the external. In fact, in the Old Testament, this is what God said, and it's so true even today. Isaiah 29, verse 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips. In other words, they say the right things, but where are their hearts? Everybody, would you participate? He said, but their hearts are far from me. He said, their worship is made up of only rules taught by men, religious, external efforts to please God. In fact, if we were just really honest today, you'd have to agree that there are people around the world that are in church today following the tradition of Easter. Some of you, 
You, you, you know, you haven't been to church in a long time, but it's Easter, so you get the kids dressed up. You know, some of you, you, you know, you put on a jacket or a dress. A few of you, you just tucked your shirt in, which is weird for live church. I mean, you're going all out, baby, and you're, you're getting, you're putting on your best religious effort because it's Easter week. But the reality is, for many of you, if you were honest, you'd have to say, my heart is really far from God. The problem with religion, there's actually two if you're taking notes, religion always, every single time, leads to one of two destinations. The first thing is religion leads to pride. If you're taking notes, write that down. Religion leads to pride or it leads to despair. Religion leads to pride or it leads to despair. Let's start with pride. I bet a lot of you know some prideful, holier-than-thou religious jerk. How many of you say, I know somebody like that? Raise your hands. Don't point at them. Just raise your hands. You know, it's, it's I'm right, you're wrong. I do it right, you do it wrong. I, I have these beliefs, and, and you don't. It's just like the Pharisee in Luke 18 when Jesus told the story about him. He said, this religious Pharisee went into the temple, and he was so full of pride, he prayed about himself. He prayed, oh, thank you, God, that I am so righteous and not like this unholy tax collector. Then he said, I tithe, I pray, and he focused on himself. And Jesus said, he missed the point, and the sinner tax collector is the one that got it right. Religion, it leads to pride or to despair. Some of you, you've been in that pride. I behaved wrong. Other, others of you, it's this despair. It's like, I'm not good enough. I mean, there are other people, they're religious and they get it right, but man, not me. I mean, I can't even make it to church two weeks in a row. You know, I'm not supposed to say a bad word. And every time I play golf, you know what happens. And there are these other holy people. I mean, they like to pray. I mean, they go to prayer meetings. I'd rather die than go to a prayer meeting. I get bored. I tried to pray. Dear God, give us today our daily bread. Bread. We're out of bread. And the car needs the oil change. And I don't have time to pray. I can't even pray for 30 seconds and my mind wanders. I'm an ADD prayer. I'm obviously not good enough. Despair, despair. I can't measure up. For me, I've always battled with the despair part. Growing up, I had this tremendous fear that I just wouldn't be good enough for God. And I remember one time in high school, uh, one Saturday night, I did something really bad. And I felt just tremendous guilt for it. And so I just decided, Sunday I'm going to be a church guy. Tomorrow I'm turning my life over to God. And so I drove myself, high school student, uh, party guy, went to church, like this is it, I'm going to be a church guy. And so I did the whole church gig. I stood up, sat down, stood up, sat down, stood up, sat down, because that's what we did at our church. We sang verses 1, 2, and 4 of all the hymns. Never verse 3. I don't know why, but I sang 1, 2, and 4 with passion. And at the end of the time, the pastor guy said, who wants to do something spiritual for God? I'm like, I'm in. I'm a church guy now. You tell me what it is. He said, before next week, you have an assignment. I want you to read Mark, it's a book in the Bible, read Mark 17. Who'll do that? I'm like, baby, that's me. I'm gonna read the Bible, Mark 17. Well, by Monday, I forgot. Tuesday, it's like long gone. Next Sunday, I'm back in church. Why? Because I'm a church guy now, baby. I'm a ch And the pastor said, how many of you all read Mark 17? 
And I didn't read it, but I wanted to so badly without even thinking. I just raised my hand up and lied in church. <laughs> to my shock, and I think everybody else's, there was only two other people that raised their hand at First United Methodist Church, downtown Ardmore, Oklahoma. And the pastor, I can't believe this, only three people read this time. He said, for those three who read it, would you mind standing up so we can appreciate you? At first, I'm thinking, crap, I'm sick of this. You know, and I stood up, and the next thing you know, everybody there's clapping for us. And for a moment, I got proud. I was like, yeah, yeah. Why don't you losers sitting around here, and they're all clapping for us. They said, sit down, and let's get out our pew Bibles, and we're going to read Mark 17. And so I reached under this seat called a pew. Why it's called a pew, I have no idea. Pulled out a Bible. He said, turn to Mark 17. I'm like, where is that book, Mark? <laughs> Matthew, Mark, I found it. it, said Mark 13, Mark 14, Mark 15, Mark 16, Mark 16. <laughs> Cuss word. <laughs> there is no freaking Mark 17 in the Bible. Who took my Mark 17? The pastor said before the whole church, today our message is on lying. <laughs> Let us pray. I'm like, that's it. I'm in hell for the rest of my life. I am burning. I am dead where the worm never dies and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I will never be good enough. And that's, that's what religion does. It puffs up. It makes you proud or it makes you feel in despair. And that, my friends, is man's normal approach to God. Religion, all based on the externals. But I wanna to talk to you today about something very weird, something very different. And it's not religion, but it is the Son of God. His name is Jesus the Christ. Religion is man's normal attempt to reach God, but Christ, was God's weird way to reach man. Something never heard of before. Something that quite honestly disturbed the religious crowd. And what I wanna do in Philippians chapter three is I wanna look at the teachings of the Apostle Paul as he contrasted religion versus something revolutionary, a relationship with the Son of God the Lord Jesus Christ. He started with religion in verse uh, four through six, Philippians three, and he offered his own religious resume. And it was spotless. He said, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh. In other words, if anyone else's behavior, they think they've got it, I have even more reason. And then he gives his resume. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. Now you may be going, what does all that mean? He was saying, I was raised by the best, the best lineage, the best education, mentored by the best, the best behavior. Translated to our world today, what he was saying is, I was born 
in a pastor's home, raised by a pastor's family. I went to a Christian education. I graduated the top of a Bible school. I only listened to K-Love, Christian radio, never secular music whatsoever. I was baptized by Billy Graham <laughs> in the Jordan River with the Pope doing things with his hands nearby. He's saying, I did it all. You, you can't get any more religious than what I did. I had it all. And then here's what he said. Verse 7, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss. All that religious stuff, it was a loss. What's more, he says, I consider everything a loss compared to, and now he's about to say the weirdest thing ever, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He just switched gears. Now, I'm not talking religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the Son of God. For whose sake I've lost all things. And then he goes and he takes all those religious things that he just talked about, and he said, I consider them what? Everybody say it aloud. He said, I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. All of that Pharisee of Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin circumcised, I consider all that rubbish. Now, what I'm about to tell you is going to bother some of you more traditional religious people. You're going to say, I can't believe you're talking about this on Easter, but I'm going to talk about it because it's true and it's important. The Greek word translated as rubbish is the word skubula. Everybody say skubula. Rubbish is a wuss way to translate scubula. It really is. It can be translated as rubbish, if you're taking notes, or garbage. But what it really is, it's human or animal waste. In fact, the King James translates it accurately as dung. But it's not really dung in the English language. The English equivalent for the word scubula is actually a bad word. It really is. You can look it up. It's the harshest word in the English language. It's what you would consider a cuss word. The only way I can say it appropriately to an Easter crowd is to say there could very well be a bumper sticker that says scubula happens. <laughs> Some of you are going, am I allowed to laugh at that? Am I going to go to hell if I do? It, that's what it means. All of this outward effort at religion, I call it poo-poo. Scubula, dung, the worst type. Here's the challenge. For a lot of people today, they're like, oh, I've got my religious beliefs. I've got them neat. They're organized. Here's what I believe. They're organized. Basically, what you have is a very organized pile of scubula. That's what it is. That's what some of you say, but I've got more religion than others. I'm not so sure that's a good thing. You just have a bigger pile. Some of you, you're really proud of your pile, and so you put a little flag in it. It's a little flag in your pile to distinguish your pile from other piles. You may put a little Baptist flag in your pile or a little, little Church of Christ flag in your pile or a little Methodist flag in your pile or a little LifeChurch.tv flag in your pile and you're proud of your pile because you got a flag in it. It's still a pile. Some of you, you're more creative than others. You make your own pile. Not just one pile, you pick a little from different piles. You take a little bit of Christianity, what you like, but you take out some of that stuff that you don't like, and a little bit of Buddhism, because let's face it, that's kind of cool and hip nowadays, a little bit of New Age stuff, and you mix it all together, and you go, I've got my own pile. This is my 
own religion. Great. It's a pile of combined poop. That's what it is. That's what he's saying your religion. Here's the deal. Take your pile, whatever it is. You can put sprinkles on it. You can baptize it. You can bronze it. It's still a pile. That's what religion is. It's our external attempts to please God. And Paul says, it's a pile of scubula. Then he goes on to say this. He just calls it what it is. I consider all this scubula, that I may gain Christ. Not gain religion, gain Christ. He says, and be found in him. Now, don't miss this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, I'm not made right with God because I externally did all that the law says. He says, my righteousness is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And what he just said turned the religious world from which he came upside down. They'd be like, that's heresy. You can't say that. That's weird. We all know that it's how we behave that makes us right with God. He went on to say, you want to know the purpose of the law? The purpose of all the rules is to show you, you don't measure up. You're not good enough and you never will be. If you're ever bored and you're wondering, do you measure up? Just go take the Ten Commandments and take a little test and ask yourself, have you ever put anything ahead of God? Number one, I have. Have you ever told a lie? I have. Have you ever stolen anything? I have. What does that make us? Lying, thieving, idolaters. Well, praise God, at least we're all holy in this place. <laughs> the purpose of the law is to show you, you can't do it. There is another righteousness, and this is the weirdest thing ever. And here's what I hope that you'll hear. Some of you, you'll hear it for the first time. Others of you, you've heard it your whole life so much that your heart is cold to it, that you're participating in the traditions of man and you're missing the power of the gospel in your heart. You have a head knowledge of the story, but not a heart relationship of the one that the story is about. Hear it as if you hear it for the very first time. Hear it as if you've never heard it before. Religion is about you. God says, though, it's about Christ and him alone. Here's the story. Here it is if you've never heard it before. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. That's weird, weird. His son into this world. Born of a virgin. Only happened one time in history. Weird. Why? So that he wouldn't inherit the sin nature of an earthly father, but instead the heavenly nature of his heavenly father. Therefore, Jesus, God in the flesh, his son, could live a sinless life. And when he was old enough, he started teaching things that amazed people. It was so otherworldly and so weird. He said things like, if you want to be the greatest, you're, you serve. That's weird. He said, if you want to be the most important, you should be the least. If you want to be first, you need to be the last. Weird. He said things that just boggled people's minds. If you give, it will be given unto you. Weird. He said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. Weird. He said, if someone hits you on the cheek, 
you turn the other cheek. Weird. If someone hurts you, you bless them. Weird. If someone insults you, you pray for them. Weird. If someone betrays you, you forgive them. Not just one time, but 70 times seven. And the world looks on going, this is the weirdest thing ever. He says, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross, lay down your life. What? Weird. He says, they're going to destroy the temple. Destroy the temple. And three days later, I will rebuild it. Temple. Rebuild it. Three days. Weird. And guess what the religious people did? They despised him. They hated him. They wanted to follow the rules. He kept doing annoying things like healing people on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. And this crazy, weird son of God did things that were not humanly possible. He opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He hugged lepers and healed them. He raised the dead. And as the religious people couldn't stand him and turned on him, criticized him, who did he befriend? People like you, people like me, liars, thieves, adulterers, uh, uh, people who sinned radically. He befriended prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners and the lowest of the low and the outcast. And he loved these bad people and they were transformed. And many of them, even though they were uneducated, even though they weren't brought up in the religious schools, they left everything, how weird is that, to follow him and he said, I'll use you to change the world. How weird is that? And then one day, he became obedient even to death on the cross. And he allowed one of his own, Judas, to betray him with a kiss. How weird is that? And he turned himself in, and he allowed the creation to abuse him, the creator, by driving stakes through his wrists and through his heels and placed a crown of thorn across his brow and hit him again and again and again and again and mock him as he willingly let them heist him up on a cross. And as they abused him, he looked up to heaven and prayed the weirdest prayer ever. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And then he became our sin. I, I don't know what sins represented here today, but certainly someone's committed adultery. He became your adultery. Some of you have given into sexual lust. He became your sexual lust. Some of you have lied. He became your lying and your greed and your pride and your envy and your worldliness and your bitterness and your hatred. Well, why did he become that? Because I'm a good person. No. Scripture says without Christ, you are the object of God's wrath. That our best attempt at righteousness is as filthy rags, is what the Bible says. And in case you don't know the Hebrew for filthy rags, it means rags used during a woman's menstrual cycle. That's how righteous you are. In the Hebrew, that translates as gross. <laughs> that's, that's how righteous we are. That's how righteous we are. And then Jesus on the cross, as our sin becomes sin for us, the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. He looks up to heaven and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he says, tetelestai, it means it is 
finished. And the world went dark and it shook. And a non-believer looks on and says, surely this man was the son of God. And for three days, everyone held their breath. What happened? Where'd he go? We thought he was, and he's not. And what's this temple thing? And three days later, and then a couple women went out to look on his body and said, who's going to roll away the, the, the stone? We really want to see him. And when they got there, the stone was removed, and the tomb was empty because death could not contain him. The grave could not hold him. He was risen, and he is risen indeed. And the problem is, I mean, let me just call it what it is. You give it a little golf clap. Because you just kind of casually believe it. If that's true, it changes everything. And you can't remain the same. What have we done today? We've normalized it. What is the cross? It's a piece of jewelry. Or if you're young, it's a tattoo because you're much cooler. It's a tattoo. What, what have we done? We've taken the instrument of torture and made it into a piece of jewelry. If he died uh, in an electric chair, what could you do? You could wear a little electric chair around your neck, and that'd be the equivalent, because it, we just casually believe it. We're just on the broad path, kind of believing in God, but living just like everyone else. Here's the deal. If it's true, and I believe it is with all my heart, you cannot casually believe the gospel message. When you believe that many are going the wrong way, one day you just stop and say, I don't want to go toward destruction. Normal's not working anyway. I want to step through the small gate, the gate called Jesus. I want his righteousness to be my own. Religion says it's about what I do. God says it's about what Christ did. Religion said if I work really hard, he might love me. God says because he loves you, you get to obey. Religion says it's about me. God says it's about Christ. And when you really believe that, you cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. Your only reasonable response is to give him your whole life. And when you do, you'll get on the narrow road and people will call you weird, but you'll be so full of his love and so full of his kingdom that they're gonna want what you have. And you'll be different and invite them on and they will meet not religion, which leads to bondage, but Christ who sets you free. And they will recognize normal is not working and they will be weird in the God kind of way. I am a normal person, and I refuse to believe that Christ has risen from the dead. I'm completely certain my own view of religion is more important than believing in Jesus, the Son of God. I have my priorities straight, because my success, lots of money, and popularity is way more important than family, faith, and serving God. I tell you this, once upon a time, family stayed together, but this is no longer true. This is a generation unwilling to commit. Normal people say I'll be broke, divorced, and spiritually empty. I do not concede that I will be weird and different from the crowd. In the future, I will travel the broad, comfortable, and normal path. No longer can it be said that my life will count. It will be evident that I'm short-sighted, selfish, and only living for me. It's foolish to presume that I am different and can change the world. Unless I become weird and look at life from another perspective. I am different and can change the world. It is foolish to presume that I am short-sighted, selfish, and only living for me. It will be evident that my life will count. 
No longer can it be said that I will travel the broad, comfortable, and normal path. In the future, I will be weird and different from the crowd. I do not concede that I'll be broke, divorced, and spiritually empty. Normal people say this is a generation unwilling to commit, but this is no longer true. Families stayed together once upon a time. I tell you this, family, faith, and serving God is way more important than my success, lots of money, and popularity. I have my priorities straight because believing in Jesus, the Son of God, is more important than my own view of religion. I am completely certain Christ has risen from the dead, and I refuse to believe that I am a normal person. Father, we pray that in your presence, the reality of the resurrection would make us different, that we would live in such a way that by your righteousness, we would be changed and our lives would count for your glory in the kingdom that is to come. As you pray today at all of our churches, let's cut right to the chase. There are some of you that you've been under the weight of despair. You felt like you're not good enough. You feel guilty for what you've done. You feel like you're not going to measure up. You, like me, feel the weight of your sin. I feel so bad. I, I, I don't know how God could love someone like me. I feel bad about what I've done. You feel the weight of your sin. If that's you, would you lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up high, all of our different churches. You feel the condemnation even of your own sin. Let me ask another question, and I, I want to challenge you to be really honest. Some of you, you've believed the gospel story casually. I did the first half of my life. I'd, I'd hit church Christmas and Easter and a few times in between, whether I needed it or not. I believed in God. Scripture says even the demons believe in God. They're smart enough to tremble. Believing in God is a head knowledge. There is a difference. It's knowing him personally. All of our different churches, those of you who say, you know, quite honestly, when I look at my life, the, the way I live, it's really evidence that I've believed casually the story of Jesus. Be honest, call it what it is. Would you lift your hands right now? All of our different, lift them up right now and say, yes, I really have. I really have. There's more of you. Be honest. Call it what it is. I've believed it casually. Call it what it is and lift up your hands and say, yes, that's me. I want to, if you've raised your hand for one of those two different things, I just want to speak as lovingly as I can and say those two things indicate perhaps that you really need the grace of God, his goodness, his love, his mercy poured out through the wonderfully weird truth of the story of his son, Jesus, who did something for us that we could never earn and do not deserve. If you feel the weight of your sin, Scripture says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Perhaps you're still under the bondage of religion and you need the freedom and the forgiveness and the grace of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Others of you, you believed it casually. Just like so many in this world, there's a way that seems right to a man, Scripture says, but in the end, it leads to death. You're on the normal path. You recognize it. Today, more than a casual belief, you want a wholehearted, full-in belief that Jesus is God's Son, that his death and resurrection counts for you, that your standing before God is not based on your own efforts, but it's based on the goodness of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And when you call on him, he will forgive your sins. 
He will make you brand new. He will fill you with the very same spirit that raised Christ from the grave. You'll no longer be a normal person. You're not on the broad path. You're not living for the things that normal people live for because you're a supernatural being made right with God. You are transformed. You're a new creation. The old is gone and everything will become new. And quite honestly, that's why God brought many of you here today. Call it what it is. You need him. Today is the day you surrender your life completely unto him. It is your time. It is your moment. You know it. Right now, God, I give my life to you. I turn from my sins. I turn toward your son, Jesus. I wholly and completely give my life to you, Jesus. That's your prayer today. All of our churches, would you raise your hands high right now? Lift them high now all over the place. Lift them high now. I give my life completely to you. Leave them up. I want to just meet you eye to eye, both of you up here close to me. Praise God for you, sir. I see it in your eyes right up here as well. Both of you here together. Praise God for both of you, sir. Right here in this middle section. Others of you say me too. Right back over here, ma'am. God bless you. I want to look at you. I want to look at you. Others of you who say yes. Jesus, save my life. Right over here, both of you on this section say yes. Sir, right back here and right back over here as well. Others of you today, both of your hands right here together. Others of you, come on, you're casually believing. All in, Jesus, take my life. Right here, sweetheart, God bless you. Others today. I don't know how you all can be quiet because we're witnessing a miracle right here. Praise God for you in this section. Go ahead and worship God. Tell them where others of you today say yes. I give my life to you right back here in this section. We worship God for who he is and what he's doing. Everybody praying aloud together as a family of God. Pray with those around you. Pray, Heavenly Father, I turn from my sins. I turn to you. Jesus, save me. Make me new. I believe you died for me and you rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you always. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Church, would you get a little bit loud? The tomb is empty, the stone is rolled away, Christ is risen. Worship him for who he is.